Welcome to The Way the World Works, where the trusted team behind the Tuttle Twins books tackles current events, hot topics, and fun ideas to help your family find clarity in a world full of confusion. Hey, Brittany. Hey, Connor. I own property. Now, there's different kinds of property. Brittany, you own property as well. Uh, There's something called real property, which is kind of a weird word. Because real property doesn't mean it really exists. It means that it's land, basically. So like my wife and I have a home and, you know, we bought the first we bought the land and then we later built our home. So I own some land. In fact, fun, quick story. I, uh, I well, I think I bought it. I may have leased it. But one year for Christmas, you know, the Boyacks come from Scotland. They used to be ah. the the Boyks. And so there's this company in Scotland that has a bunch of land in this random place and they sell you, or maybe it's lease, which kind of means like you're renting it, but I think they, they actually sell, yeah, they, they actually sell it to you. They sell you a one square foot piece of land. Okay. So if, if you think like you put your feet together and you're standing, you put like a ruler, you know, draw a box around you. That's, that's the size of land that I owe in Scotland, but it apparently allows me to be called Lord Connor Boy. <laughs> That's yeah, exciting. So you because are yeah, so for my whole family uh, for Christmas, I got you know my mom is Lady Boyack and my dad is Lord Boyack, and it's just this fun little gimmick that, that so they do. Because I guess they you know for people who have title to property, then they can call themselves Lady and Lord. It, yes, but can. but that but that's real property. That's land, okay? And then because um, you you like uh, do you rent an apartment, Brittany? I rent in, an apartment. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you don't own real property, but you do own tangible property. I do, yes. So tangible property is the name for stuff. It's <laughs> the things that you own. So it's your car, it's your computer, it's your clothes, it's your, you know, everything else, your cell phone. So that's all tangible property. Now, when we talk about property rights, typically we're talking about real property. It's like, uh, hey, on my land or the land that I'm, you know, renting, the condo that I'm in and so forth. Um, I have property rights. I have the right to do certain things with my property and no one else can stop me. Now, property rights, uh, I think, are really important. We talked in the past, Brittany, about the Declaration of Independence. And uh, you remember, of course, that Thomas Jefferson talked about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And this was a very kind of popular uh, terminology at the time. It was changed a little bit to be, you know, pursuit of happiness. When in fact, prior to that, a lot of people like John Locke, we've talked about. He was a very smart Englishman uh, who who wrote uh, a lot about what good government looks like. And the founding fathers really often relied upon what John Locke and others wrote. And in John Locke's writings and others, he talked about not life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness, but life, liberty, and property. Ah. So let me ask you, Brittany, like obviously life is very important and liberty is very important. Why in the world would John Locke uh, say that land is, you know, as important to kind of be in the same list as your life and, and your freedom, your liberty? Well, I have a feeling by the end of this episode, we're going to have a a clear answer to this question. (laughs) (laughs) One would hope. One would hope. Uh, But I mean, there are a lot of reasons for that. For one, and I I love the way John Locke talks about this. He talks about uh, the land and especially land that you take care of yourself. Because back in John Locke's day, you you were taking care of your own land, right? You probably had a farm or you had crops and you were taking care of it. 
that your property was the fruit of your labors. And I loved the way he talked about that because you, you work to maintain your, your land. Maybe you work to pay for the land. And so he calls it, you know, the fruit of your labors and you have the right to the fruit of your labors. I thought that was a really poetic way to say it. I think that's right. You know, the property rights was so considered so important by the founding fathers because um, it was understood that, you know, your life obviously is like, you know, I have the right to live, to exist. And then your liberty is like, hey, I can do certain things and and no one can stop me. I have the right to kind of uh, do the the different things that, that I want to do. But then, you know, property, it's like, oh, and then I have the right to own a, a house, like a big whoop. But, but really, <laughs> when you look through history, it's so important because if you lived on the king's land, yep. <laughs> then the king controlled you and he could kick you off the land or he could tell you to do certain things. You were basically kind of like a slave in a way. And uh, what they call them? So, uh, kind of like a surf, right? Or, surf. Uh, yep. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah, a, a surf. There's so many uh, quotes where uh, the founding fathers, for example, were talking about the uh, importance of, of property rights. Um, you know, Samuel Adams, for example, he said, yeah. among the, the natural rights of the colonists uh, are these. First, a right to life. Secondly, to liberty. And thirdly, to property. Uh, together with the right to to defend them in the best manner that they can. So there we see again, life, liberty, and property. And so property was very much about like, hey, you know, I've come to America and I want to build a farm and I want to provide for my family. And I don't want the government to come snooping through my house anytime they want. And I want to be able to control what I do on my property. This is mine. You know, I'm kind of a king of my own property, you know, self-government here with my family. So it very much was this ability to say, um, I want to set my own rules. I want to have some kind of freedom uh, in my own, you know, house on my own land. And no one else should be able to control what I do. Because if, if there's no property rights, if I have some land, then everything is kind of subject to what other people say. Like, let's say your city council, right? They, or the the people in your community who vote on, they're like, hey, I, I think everyone should have pink garages. I was going to say the zoning, like, zoning boards are the worst. Right. It's like zoning <laughs> or even it gets into kind of like HOAs, yeah. uh, how, um, homeowners associations where they set rules and like, you can't have a flag. And you must paint your fence a certain color brown. And if your weeds get taller than two inches, then, you know, you're going to be punished. Or you can't have chickens. Uh, some people um, say you can't have gardens in your front yard. Some a couple got fined by their city because you're allowed to have gardens in your backyard, but not in your front yard. And that's, that's very, that's that particular law is very common because cities are like, oh, we don't like the look of it. So we're just going to say you can't do it. Or think of like Airbnb. You're not allowed to, you know, share your home with anyone else. Yeah. You, you can do it if it's for free, like if grandma mom's coming over for the week but you know if they pay you then it's then it's suddenly banned um and so you know or even lemonade stands right i'm selling (laughs) lemonade on my driveway and up comes the cop to say no you can't do that so these are the reasons why property rights important it's like hey i'm not hurting anyone and i'm on my own property minding my own business um and so i should be allowed to do it now the property rights were super important to uh the founding fathers what's super interesting though is that Um, The Bill of Rights, we've talked about the different amendments of the Bill of Rights in the Constitution. It does say some things about property rights, but not a lot. And so I want to talk a little later about uh, what states, state governments have to do with property rights. And so in the U.S. Constitution, there's two amendments that I think uh, really kind of come into play. 
the I first, think I know the first is, one. I'm, I'm interested to know what the second one is. So the first one is I'll I'll, use, I'll start with the more more common one. The first is uh, the Fifth Amendment dealing okay. with eminent eminent domain, ah. and uh, the Tuttle Twins and the Road to Serfdom talks about this, uh, talking about you know some land that's taken uh, by the government for some purposes that they have, and so that's eminent domain, and so. In the Fifth Amendment, it says the government can't take property this way unless they kind of compensate the the other individual. They have to pay them. They can't just take the money and say, ha ha, it's ours. <laughs> it's like, well, if the government wants to use the property for a park or a road or something like that, they can take it, but they at least have to pay the person. Um, and so that's important so because- Usually other... they don't get very much <laughs> or they get yeah. the fair minimum. <laughs> yeah. Technically they're required to pay them like a fair Market price. Market value, but... I think is what they yeah. call it. Yeah. But you're right. It doesn't always end up like if you were to sell it on your own, you could make more. So that's that's right. But it is better than not having that uh, amendment where the government can just say, oh, it's eminent domain. We need this land. See you later. Right. That that would be awful. So the Fifth Amendment does say that just compensation is required, like basically a fair price. And if you feel like you're not getting paid a lot, you can fight in court and things like that. But that obviously costs a lot of money, too. Yes, it does. Um, the other amendment in the Bill of Rights that has to do with property rights is the amendment right before that. It's the mm -hmm. Fourth Amendment. Which we and talked about before. Mm -hmm, exactly. And this deals with the right of privacy the right to not have the government snooping around in your computer or in your home to, you know, have police kind of bang down the door and try and take stuff out of your house. Um, they can't just do that willy nilly. And if you remember back in the, the colonists day, they had the red coats, the, the British military, and they would just kind of let themselves in. They would write themselves what were called writs of assistance mm -hmm. and basically just a piece of paper saying, I, Thomas, Solomon, do hereby authorize myself to enter all the houses on this street. And then citing that piece of paper would allow the soldiers to just go in and search whatever they wanted. So the fourth, the, the founders were like, no, Fourth Amendment, we're going to say that you need to have a judge approve it. And it has to be narrow. In other words, you can't just say every house on the street. You have to say, if we suspect Brittany of you know breaking the law then we can only go into britney's house and, and only if britney look for very specific things too right? precisely mm -hmm. and if like let's say britney's in an apartment with three other roommates then the warrant has to be like for britney's bedroom only and not the other bedrooms because those people still have their right to privacy and so it has to be very narrow and yeah they have to say here's specifically what we want we want to you know find her computer or we're going after her dirty laundry basket because there's you know something smelly in there something fishy <laughs> and uh, so they have to be very narrow right and so that's another good property rights thing i have the right to be left alone on my property and if the government wants to kind of boss me around or come snoop on me then they have like some some limits in place that restrict how they can do that it's not just willy-nilly open for the government to do whatever they want there are at least uh some controls in place so i think those two taken together uh, you know, we could even talk about the Third Amendment. That's kind of a silly I, one. I that, thought you were going to go there. That was my, I forgot about yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, yeah the, the Third Amendment is all about quartering soldiers, which uh, during uh, the revolutionary time, the, the colonial era, the military could just come in and say, oh, we're going to now use your house. See you later. And they, they'd either kick the family out or, or they could stay there and just use an extra room. But it re, uh, they were requiring colonists to basically provide housing for soldiers. And it was so upsetting for uh, 
the founding fathers, kind of that generation is they put the third amendment in place to say, you can't do that. You cannot quarter or house soldiers, you know, inside people's homes. So that's kind of another property rights thing, but I'd say we don't really deal with that anymore. Uh, What's what's interesting about that is, so we're finding that we're against Britain, right? They were the ones violating our property rights, but property rights in many ways are like a British thing. So it's it's kind of funny because you saw that that they were going against kind of their own common laws, they would call it, because in, I think it was 1215, you guys have probably seen Robin Hood. I hope, I hope you have seen the cartoon Robin Hood. <laughs> uh, well, Prince John, obviously he was not a, I think, what is he, a lion or a tiger or something in the- Something like something that, like that. Yeah. Uh, Well, that, the person he's supposed to be portraying, there was a King John. Um, he was very, very abusive to his people. He would, you know, take their property if they weren't paying their taxes. He would tell them what to do. And they actually held him at sword point. And by they, I mean property owners, people, the nobles, the people who were, were well off enough to own land were able to kind of fight back and, and make him sign a document that promised to respect the rights of property owners. And that was kind of the foundation of us writing down somewhere on paper, you know, that that the right to property is a just that a right is a natural right. You don't have to do anything but be born. And in this case, have property that's kind of been extended, you know, as, as we progressed as a civilization. But back in the day. So long as you owned property, that gave you the right to say to the king, like, no, you can't do this to me. You can't treat us like that. You can't, you know, put soldiers in our house. You can't take our house if we're a little bit short on our tax payments. So that actually started in England. And then eventually they kind of lost their way. But that's something that has been solidified in our American legal uh, documents. You know, and it's interesting, too, because as we've been talking about in the U.S. Constitution, there are some restrictions on the government. But I would say they're very minor because the government is not really quartering soldiers anymore. And they're not like snooping on everyone. They do go after people that are like suspected of committing a crime. That's the Fourth Amendment about privacy. And they don't do eminent domain very often. You know, it happens, but it doesn't happen to most people. And so you might look at that and be like, oh, okay, well, for the rest of us, you know, property rights are doing fine, except... You know, we were listing out the lemonade stand and the Airbnb and the garden in the front house and the uh, chickens in the backyard. And so when you think about it, the property rights are really violated, not by the federal government, which is controlled by the Constitution. They're they're uh, violated or or um, threatened by your local government, by your typically your city, your town, your county. So what's really interesting, Brittany, is a few years ago. Here at Libertas Institute, we did a study where we looked at every different state in the country and we looked at the state constitutions because just like there's the U.S. Constitution for the whole country, every state also has its own constitution when it was created saying, here are your rights and here's how we're going to restrict the government. And so we looked at all the different state constitutions and we said, okay, what do they all say about property rights? Because if property rights isn't really a, a national thing, it's more like a local thing then the idea was, okay, there's probably going to be something here about, you know, property rights. And so we looked at all the states. We were shocked. Okay. So basically all of the states do pretty well at saying you have the right to own property, which is obvious, right? I can buy a house, I can buy some land or whatever. And so that's obvious and easy. The government doesn't come along and say, oh, Brittany, you're not allowed to buy that house. Like that just doesn't really happen. But, you know, these state constitutions say, you have the right to own uh, property. They also say that you have the right to defend. A lot of the states say you have the right to defend your property. So again, like if, if bad guys are coming into your home, right, you can defend yourself, defend your property and say, don't come steal my jewelry or my, you know, silverware or whatever. 
And so you can defend your property. You can say, this is my property. You're not allowed to be here. Um, get off. And then they also say you have the right to uh, acquire property. You have the right to, to buy, you know, and to get property. So you, you have the right to get let's say a house, um, you have the right to own that house and stay there. And then you have the right to defend your house, right? That, that seems reasonable, right? I mean, yeah, that seems so. like they've covered uh, property rights, except basically no state has a protection for what is actually being threatened with property rights. If you think about the examples we shared, you know, the, the Airbnb, the chickens and so forth, the government's not saying you can't, you can't uh, own your property. You can't own your house. They're not saying that. They're not saying you can't acquire or buy your house. They're not saying you can't defend it if, you know, some bad guy comes on. But what there's no protection for in the Constitution, in these cons state constitutions, is where the government is actually really threatening property rights in our day. And that is the right to use your property. What's the point of buying a house or a piece of land if the government says, oh yeah, you can buy it, you can acquire it, you can own it, you can defend it even, but we get to tell you how you're allowed to use it. Like, oh my gosh, yeah, how have we, <laughs> right, how have we missed this? And so governments have basically this open-ended ability right now to say, to boss you around, you know, people on your city council or a majority of your neighbors, right? It's never okay for the majority of people to boss around the minority. And yet that's what we kind of have in our government today, unfortunately. And so a majority of people could say, oh, we don't want chickens. We don't like them. We think they're dirty and noisy. And so they can pass a law and they can then say no chickens. So now the minority, let's say there's 10 families in the whole city who want chickens and they would have kept them quietly and cleanly and everything else. But now they're criminals if they do it, right? Because they want to use their property a certain way, but the government has said no. And those people have no property rights protections. They have no part of the constitution that protects them. They're just at the mercy of the government to tell them how they can use their own property. I'll, I'll wrap up on this point, Brittany, before I'll throw it back to you for a final comment. I was talking with a lawyer uh, a couple years ago, and this lawyer works a lot on property rights issues. It's kind of his specialty. And I was kind of complaining a little bit. I was like, man, this and that and the other, and look at all these problems. And he said, he said, Connor, the thing I've learned the most about property rights in all my career is that your neighbors have more control over your property than you do, right? Because I buy a home and I don't really get to control what I'm allowed to do. My neighbors through the government can boss me around and pass laws and say no lemonade stands and no Airbnb and your you know, garage has to be pink or whatever. They basically have the legal authority through the law, the government, to tell me what I am and am not allowed to do on my own property. And even though I can buy that property and I can defend that property, I can't really control very well what I'm allowed to do because nothing's in the constitution. This seems to me like a really kind of glaring problem in property rights. Yeah. And just to, just for, you know, my final thoughts on private property, I would be cautious or, or wary of anybody who doesn't believe in property rights because there's a lot of ideologies, communism, socialism, where they actually don't believe in this. They don't believe you have a right to, to personal or private property. And that, that to me is terrifying because we've seen, as we've talked about today, property has given us so much freedom. It's given us the ability to, to stand up for government, whether or not that always happens, like you bring up Connor on the state level, it has helped make us freer. So definitely understand why it's so important and be cautious of ideologies that, that don't agree with that. So those are my final thoughts. 
That, that's a great point to end on. I will note that on our show notes page for today, we will link to that research we did. We put together a little policy brief. So for the adults, if you're interested in learning more about this, um, you can go to tuttletwins.com slash podcast and look for this episode and you'll uh, be able to find the link there. And uh, we'll maybe uh, link you to an essay by John Locke as well yes. uh, that deals with property rights. And the Magna Carta uh, as well. Oh, perfect. Yeah, and the Magna Carta. So good resources. Head to tuttletwins.com slash podcast. Guys, property rights is so important. And from my perspective, there's a lot of work to be done. So you can go check out that policy brief on the show notes page. Uh, share it with some you know, folks or anyone you know in your community who's working on this stuff because this is very important. Uh, until Brittany, thanks for chatting. Uh, until next time, Brittany, thanks for chatting. And uh, we'll see you next time. See you next time. You've been listening to The Way the World Works. Make sure your family is subscribed and check out TuttleTwins.com for more awesome content.